Welcome to the We're Better Together podcast. I'm Ian Stevenson. And I'm Daniel Ardunia. Each month, we're excited to bring you an incredible interview with someone who has experience in facilitating an environment where people work better together. And each week, we'll share some actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to help you function better together, whether it's in your marriage, family, team, workplace, church, or community. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's jump into some content and get better together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the We're Better Together podcast. Great to see you again. You know, we've interviewed all kinds of people on this podcast. We've done professional athletes. We've done leaders of nonprofits. We've done pastors. We've done uh, teenagers that are pulling people together in their school. We've done all kinds of things. But today I'm super excited because today we get to bring in someone from the military. We get to bring in a major from the Marines who's agreed to kind of share some of his story with us. He happens to be my nephew, and I've heard his story, and we thought it would be an encouragement to you. So we're going to welcome on the podcast today, Major Brian Harding. Welcome, Brian. Great to see you, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's good to be with you all. Hey, Brian, as as we start this thing off, the, the listeners that are tuning in, uh, can you start in the place by just letting people know a little bit about your story? Where where did you grow up? Uh, what did life look like for you when you were young? And maybe what are a few of your passions as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and I'm actually the youngest of, of four kids. Um, just growing up, a very heavy sports family. So I grew up playing soccer and all kinds of sports, but um, it was actually soccer that um, – was most interesting to me and I, I wanted to play in college. And so I ended up um, getting recruited to play at the Virginia Military Institute. Um, and that's where I, uh, I played four years there. And, and really that, that was kind of the launch point or really how I became um, a Marine is I was, I was exposed to uh, the Marine ROTC there and I ended up uh, applying for um the Marine scholarship there. And I commissioned out of the Marine Corps um, or into the Marine Corps in 2011 out of VMI. Um, and then, and then I got married a week after graduation to my, to my wife, Mackenzie. And we um, have four kids now. So three girls, a boy, and then another due here in July. And so a full house, um, I'm currently um, in uh, Monterey, California, at the Naval Postgraduate School, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna graduate here in December. Um, but I've been in for you know the Marine Corps for 11 years now, and just taking one step at a time uh, as I, I as I continue on. That's awesome. Clearly, uh, some big family stuff in there. Four, you got four. Four of you growing up within your own household. Now you've got almost you got five kids here of your own with the one coming on the way. What's the age range between your youngest that is to come and the oldest that you have? Yeah, so my oldest is eight. And then so it goes eight, six, four, and two. My son is the two-year-old. And then yeah, another girl coming here. So 
So um, five yeah, of them under eight here soon. That's wild. That's right. Yeah. Never, never a dull moment in the house, but it's fun. Yeah. So we really appreciate you taking the time in the midst of all that to, uh, to share with our listeners and Brian, um, you know, being in Marines is no joke. We, we realize that, but I remember you sharing with me how uh, when you first went in your first deployment to Okinawa, you were thrown into a job. Can you, can you talk a little bit about just share with the audience that transition and then what are some of the things that, that you learned in the context of that in terms of trying to get 200 Marines to work together? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely, I was a young leader at the time, so I learned probably more through failure um, in, in, during that season, but I still hold those lessons very close to me even today. Um, and, and it will carry, you know, even further on, but yeah, like, like you kind of had mentioned, I, um, I went to my first, you know, tour in Okinawa, Japan, a combat logistics battalion. And, um, and originally I had a, a 12 person, you know, shop, 12 Marines that I was the leader for, uh, within the battalion. And then a little less than two years into it, um, an opportunity came up for me to be, a company commander for uh, the headquarters and service company, which consisted at the time about 270 Marines. Um, and so I was 25 at this point. So to go from sort of a shop of 12 Marines to 270 Marines, which it was a very dynamic company um, made up of, you know, a lot of different sort of capabilities like combat engineers, heavy equipment, mechanics and operators, motor, motor transport, mechanics and, and operators, and then a lot of the staff sections too, like intelligence, uh, personal administration, operation um, type uh, Marines. And so it was very, um, in, in, and I wasn't really trained uh, necessarily for that. You know, typically when you're a young Marine officer, you have a specialty. Mine was like supply chain management um, specialty. And so I was thrown into something that was very, um, I had not been trained in. Um, and so it was kind of, it was a job for, um, you know, an experienced logistics officer, you know, probably someone that, um, sh you know, should have been in for, you know, about 10 years um, to, to get that position. But I was just like within two, within two years um, in the fleet. Uh, and so, um, although I, I, it is a very unique um, opportunity for me. It doesn't really happen um, for, for my specialty too much to get that exposure. So um, I, I was just trying to, um, I, I did the best I can, you know, I, I knew it was going to be a grind. I knew it was going to be really hard, you know. Um, I want to interrupt you there for a second, Brian, because I remember when you were first telling me this story, like you had a decision point to make, right? You could have stayed with your 12 or you could have taken on this big challenge of 270 with all these other groupings that you knew. Hard to make that decision. I remember you, you telling me how you talked about it with McKenzie and it would be a challenge, right? Yeah, exactly. My commander, my commanding officer, he, he asked me, um, you know, if I was, 
um, to talk to my wife and if I'd be up for taking this uh, responsibility because it's pretty weighty. You know, a, a commanding officer or a company commander, there's a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility and weight. You know, you're responsible for everything that that company does and fails to do, and so um, it, it it was something to take very seriously. And so he wanted also to make sure I, I, you know, I was fully on board with it, with my wife and, and my wife and I, we were just like, this doesn't happen like, you know, very often. And I, and we had a sense that, you know, it, it was like, because it was so unique, um, we, we felt like led, you know, to, um, to, to accept that. And I, I feel like we would have regretted if um, I would have, if we would have passed on that opportunity, you know, and in knowing that it was going to be extremely challenging, I think looking back when we would have left, we, and we didn't decide to do it, it would have, I, I probably would have had many more regrets on that end, but um, super thankful that we, we took the hard road, you know, and, yeah. and, and kind of embraced it. And I know you've learned so many lessons, like, you've learned lessons with 270 that you never could have learned with 12, right? Like you, you had to learn leadership at a whole nother level with all that. So can you share with our audience, like what are some of the lessons about helping the different Marines departments that you were kind of overseeing? What were some of the principles and lessons that you would share with our audience that help them work better together in their shop? Are there some things that come yeah. to mind for you? Yeah, yeah, several things come to mind, but I, you know, I kind of want to share like really um, the lesson I learned through sort of my failure um, mm -hmm. in in that experience, just because I was so overwhelmed in the day to day that I, I didn't ever fully, I feel like, get around to the thing that I, I really wanted to do, and that is something that I've applied since then. But um, it and it the first was like. Um, in the day-to-day, -day, it really felt like we were very reactionary to everything that was going on, um, just kind of putting out one fire after the next, um, not really having a long view of things, um, to be able um, to have time to make like a, a, a good adjustment to the changes or, or to the, that, that were coming up or to the operations that were coming up or the requirements. And so... One thing just, you know, when, when it comes to like working better, I guess, together or to to building a team in, in, in a, a team that's unified, I think it's so it's so important to to really have the long view and build out, uh, uh, you know, for, for in our context, it was, you know, build out a, a, a training plan that, you know, that goes out into the future and kind of back plan from that to give um, sort of the Marines, a picture of what was ahead, what were the key, like critical events and points that they can kind of work towards and give them the opportunity, the time and space to equip themselves personally or as as a section that they could, you know, each of the section leaders or, or the, the platoon leaders could um, could know sort of this, the, these critical events that we had in the future and they could build their plans off of that. But I feel like I didn't do a very good job of, of really clearly painting that out into the future and, and saying, hey, these are our priorities um, with, with, you know, as we 
Um, these, these are our priorities in the next year. And, and these are the key things that we can't fail on, or these are the key events that we need to, we, we need to be very intentional about uh, preparing for and being ready for. Um, and, and I think that would, that would have really helped um, create less friction in the day-to-day because when you don't have that clarity of, of what's ahead, you're just kind of reacting on what the big thing is that happened that day. And that, that builds a lot of frustration uh, within your team and, and, it, and it breaks the unity. That's good. So you know, good. You've listened to our podcast. I know you've heard us talk about the focus, adjust, persevere kind of cycle of unity. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you uh, just reiterate it with different words it, with that long view thing is focus, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have that focus on what it's all about, where you're going. And then along the way, you do have to react. You can adjust, um, but it's it's coming back to that focus that that really helps congeal everybody together, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 I hear a lot in there too of vision, mission, plan, communication, the value that that has, and clarity that you just said there too, Brian. Just some other words in there that I think we've heard a lot about from people that we interview, or some of the ten minute tune ups that we do on some Mondays. Um, but that was uh, well laid out in terms of of what you were sharing within that. Brian, something came to mind for me too. You were mentioning in part of your your story just about who you are and growing up, playing soccer, playing four years um, in college. And for you, you know, sometimes we talk about people as being natural born leaders. Sometimes people grow into leadership. Uh, did you experience any kind of leadership in the soccer playing that you did with those teams or no? Yeah, I, I did. And I kind of, um, I, you know, I kind of adjusted kind of how I did leadership throughout those, those, those times. Um, but I, in, in sort of the roles that, that I was filling, but um, definitely in, you know, in high school, just being a captain, um, you know, the, the soccer team, you know, you, you have that position, but I really feel like you know, there, there was the majority of the time I wasn't necessarily the um, the actual um, positional leader, um, but there was you know leadership isn't you know necessarily it's not position you know, solely right, um, and so you know the leadership is is really influence uh, that you have on others, and you can do that in whatever role or position that you're in, and so. I took that pretty seriously um, in in the teams that I was on, just kind of being a person of character, um, just being trying to be above reproach and just how, you know, um, just, just how I w- deal with people, work with people, trying to be a good teammate, just being encouraging, never quitting, you know, work ethic. And so just trying to kind of set an example, um, just in just in how I, you know, live day to day. Uh, I felt like was um, especially during the the times where I played competitive competitive sports. I I wasn't as vocal um, necessarily, but uh, I, I tried to kind of live it out. I, I think the vocal aspect is necessary, and it needs it, you know it needs to come. But during my sort of developmental years as a leader, um, I you know I, I tried to live it out as much as I could. So good. I want our listeners to really grab a hold of what Brian was just sharing there. When thinking about leadership on so many different levels, 
and we think about being better together. Yeah, you need some people at times to be vocal. You also need people that are modeling it in an example and how they're doing it. And I, I really love what you were stating there about this idea of leadership being influence. And I really hope our listeners can take that away. Yes, there were times where you were in position in team sports of being a captain. There are times where you weren't. Then you found yourself in this situation in the Marines. Um, but there were things that you picked up at, as a young person that then played out in terms of when this role came upon you, this ask came upon you of, hey, you were already someone that was thinking about integrity and discipline and setting an example for others. And I would guess that that played a role um, when this opportunity arose for, for overseeing over 200 Marines. So listeners, really grab a hold of that. You can have influence even if you're not a captain, even if you're not the team leader, um, you still have a role in leadership. Yeah, and one thing I'll just add to that that I think is, um, I guess, a powerful point that, you know, that can carry a lot of weight or, or increase your influence is um, just showing authenticity, you mm-hmm. know, just being true to, uh, to who you are. And, and obviously, like, if you have some areas that, um, you know, so, some weak points that are not healthy or, um, you know, th- those need to be, you know, worked on, um, we're always growing and learning. But I mean, that was one thing, despite my, like, tremendous lack of experience in that, that role as a company commander, um, I, I think one thing that helped curve um, maybe some of the, um, you know, lack of my experience was um, was just being very authentic with the Marines that I led and in trying um, to trying to engage with them and then uh, just being real and uh, and not being someone that I wasn't um, and, and tried and, you know, encouraging them, building them up. Um, you know, letting, reminding them, yes, this is hard, you know, and, and I'm sorry for, you know, so maybe some of the, um, you know, the, the things that they're going through because of the lack of maybe, you know, us leaders is maybe not doing things the right way or, or, or painting the picture, but um, just being authentic with them, you know, went a long way, I think. And no, I, I love your humility, Brian. You know, it's, it's something we, it, it actually bleeds through the screen here a little bit. I know you because, and I know that's that's just how you're wired up. But that's been a common theme we've heard as well. On creating a better together environment requires humility, and and even you talking about the mistakes you made at that first uh, when you were the company commander, and then I know you you went back to um, the U.S. and you actually had a different job, and you carried a lot of the lessons you learned in that commu- that company commander role to what you did next. Can you mm-hmm. maybe share with our listeners how you, you took some of what you experienced there, maybe some of those mistakes that you felt like you made with being reactive and not looking forward and how that translated to your next role? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that was a, that was a huge like just period of growth for me, just that, that year of experience and what I encourage like the listeners and just, you know, every leader or really anyone is just the, the value and importance of reflection, especially when you go through a really challenging time or, or even just like take some time to just reflect in your life. What are the things that, you know, um, 
or the things that really stick out and maybe um, from a spiritual side, what has you know, God been kind of teaching you and sharing you on you know, along your journey. But um, so that this period, I, I really reflected a lot. I, I wanted to capture all the things that sort of I was learning during that time. And so, and then put them into practice um, with the new team that I had. So I ended up being a, you know, an instructor at, um, you know, ground supply school. Um, and so, you know, hundreds of Marines are coming through there, you know, um, young enlisted uh, Marines get their training for their specialization and then go out into the fleet um, to their first units. Uh, and then so for me, I, I was, you know, I, I was an instructor for the officers and I also led a, a team of um, senior enlisted instructors that that taught all the, you know, the privates, the PFCs, the young Marines coming through. And so um one thing that uh, I really wanted to do differently um, was engage with the instructors at a deeper and personal level. Um, I knew that, you know, if, if I could leverage, you know, their really get to know them and pull the best out of them, they're the, they're the ones that are going to be touching, you know, and in, in daily interaction and contact with hundreds of Marines that are going to be flowing through the schoolhouse and out to the units. And so I, I, I kind of had this vision of like the impact that we could have of, you know, being able to engage with all these lives, right. All these young Marines and, and how we can shape and influence them um, before that, you know, for, for the rest of their careers. And so um, the, the first thing that I was very, very adamant about doing is, is getting to know my people really well by asking questions. And so, you know, I brought each instructor in, one-on-one, you know, and just was very, you know, I allotted an hour just to connect with them, to understand their background, to, to really know them and to be fully present in conversation with them in, from the beginning, um, you know, not a couple of months down the road, you know, when I was there, but from the beginning, because that's something that I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had enough time or energy. I, I was overwhelmed, in, you know, in my previous job. And so I, I but I made it a priority this time. And um, I received so much good feedback from the instructors. Some of them were like, this is the first time someone has ever, you know, sort of counseled me in this way or, or had a conversation like this. And so um, that, that proved to be pretty, um, pretty powerful. And then, and then the clarity aspect of, um, of, you know, how, how do we, how do we create more clarity and, and really, you know, um, also buy-in, right, to, to, to the opportunities that were in front of us with the hundreds of Marines that are going to be under our leadership when we're here. And so uh, something I did was I, you know, I brought all the instructors in. Um, I, would, I would say it's like between 10 and 15 instructors um, and, and really just you know, brainstormed together, brought in their ideas, all their experiences. You know, these are, these are experienced Marines. You know, they've been in, a lot of them were in, have been in, you know, 10, 15 years, even more so than, than me or more experienced than me. Um, and, and, and we just kind of mapped out, Hey, this is sort of the vision for our, our company. This is the, you know, the, these are the values that, um, that we want to sort of, um, live by and also uh, work from. 
And these are these are the key goals that we want to achieve while we're here. And so really getting everyone's input and insight and letting everyone be a part of the process of building that out. Vice me just because I had an idea in my head of what, you know, what we, I guess, should be focusing on or what the opportunities were ahead. But giving them an opportunity to shape that um, and to, to be a part of it. Uh, it was much more one just like rewarding and and also it helped you know helped create more buy-in for them because they're they're going to be the ones that are every day going to be engaged with these young marines um, yeah. and mentoring them teaching them instructing them so they were kind of like the key uh the key ones to um to really impact and that was we my when, when we think of the Marines and we think of the military, Daniel, what do we think of? Like some sergeant ca captain guy coming in and just telling everybody what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. You better listen. You better obey and getting in their face and yelling at them. And uh, I'm not hearing that at all from Brian. Like <laughs> Brian, like the whole approach you just described is totally about being better together. And I understand in military situation sometimes command and control is what's needed but in order to create a strong company you receive the input from everybody you got them working together and that is really why i wanted to interview you because i think so many people think of military they think of one way that it's always done but they don't understand that we have incredible leaders like you in there that are really helping our military be better together, not just better. Um, and and so, man, that, that was just such a perfect story, huh, Daniel? Yeah, within that, I heard a lot of equipping and a lot of sense of when we think better together, Brian just explained a lot of also the sharing and giving off of ownership. Yep. Hey, if we can equip at this level, they can then also equip down at this level and then down at this level and we're, we have a far better reach when it's not just all in the hands of just Brian, let's say, and, mm -hmm. and he's the one that's carrying the entire weight. I heard the opposite of that. Obviously what you said, Ian, sometimes someone has to make a decision with certain things, but I love that aspect of the equipping and ownership that was given off. Um, and Brian, as we, as we wrap this whole thing up and we think about this amazing conversation that we just had, um, what, what comes to mind for you of, the one thing you really want our listeners to take away today, the one thing you would love to leave them with is they think about their own lives, their own circles of influence and how they can be better together. What would you love to share with them? Yeah. Something that comes to mind that I think can really apply just in your day to day, whether, you know, in your neighborhood or in your family or even at your workplace, um, is that, and I'll give you kind of two, you know, two words that kind of tie in together, but um, proximity and presence. Hmm. Um, I, I say that because um, you know when, when you're when you want to achieve something together, uh, that that unity is is so important, and and influence is so important to get people to do something maybe um, that is hard. Um, when when you have proximity and presence, what that does that that increases your influence with uh, with others, right? And I mean, I think we've all had it just 
you know, been with people that you know, like they're fully present with you, like they're really listening and they, you know, that makes you feel good. And also like you've been in conversations where you're talking to someone and they are not there. They are, you know, in a whole nother world thinking about something else. And, and you know, that you, their influence on you kind of is lost. Um, and so uh, more and more, we're kind of just within our family, seeing the power of proximity and presence just in our neighborhood. Um, and, and just the something as simple as just sitting outside, being visible, being present and available, um, that, that proximity with others um, in those daily interactions, in the small interactions that you have, um, what that does, it, it, it creates a space um, in, for, for conversation and collaboration to happen. And, and it creates an opportunities for just new ideas to come and to flow. And it creates, um, you, know, uh, you know, and that may be a launching point to, you know, something new that you can, you know, do together, whether it's in the neighborhood or whether it's in the family. But when you don't have that, that proximity, that close proximity or being present with people, um, just think about all the missed opportunities, right? Um, that, that are there. And so I think just as a leader and whatever, especially as a leader, when you can get so caught up in the busyness of the daily tasks and the mission, you know, it, it, which was my case, you know, my first my, as a, that command, company commander for those 270 Marines, I got so bogged down in my work that I wasn't really out and about and really seeing those Marines and interacting with them in a more frequent way. But if I were, I think I would have, you know, there'd have been greater influence and, and I could kind of seed those, those values or, or help alignment even more with, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Um, and, and, and I think that makes a big difference, proximity and presence. So good, Brian, so much wisdom there, bro. Like, and thank you for sharing your experience. I was actually thinking about when this podcast is going to drop it's going to be the first Monday in November, just uh, before Veterans Day. Um, so, uh, man, this is perfect timing. And we want to thank you not only for this podcast, but thank you for your service. And thank you for just all the Marines that you're influencing. Um, and we are so grateful that we have leaders like you uh, in those kinds of roles. So, what a privilege uh, to have you on today. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, and uh, we, we just really want to thank you so much, man, for all you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much. And yeah, just thanks for having me and also just for what you're doing um, and just helping people learn about, you know, a, a very important topic that we all need to pursue. We need to stay on top of it, right? Because we, we forget. We forget. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, you have a great day, man. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, thank you. Okay, man. Bye. Bye. So good. Uh, thank you again, Brian, for, for the giving of your time to, to do so. And I think, Ian, two things that really stuck out to me. One, um, that sense of learning from failures, admitting failures and learning from it was definitely one thing that stood out to me from what Brian was sharing. Hey, when he when it went from 12 to over 200, um, 
one of the early things he said was, Hey, one of the things I actually want to go to is that I learned from failure. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing I think for people to take away. And I think the second one for me, um, and I'm sure someone has said this along the lines, but you know, it's now going to be taped. So if I can take this quote, it's great. But I think one of the best gifts that we can give is our authentic self was something that I essentially heard him share within that. And it has a deep, there's deep meaning and value to that. So I think for me, those were two that really stood out. What about for you, Ian? Yeah, I love how he closed with proximity and presence. You know, like for all our listeners, like if you take nothing else away from this conversation, those two words are gold. Like think about where you're fighting for unity. How can you increase your proximity and presence with them. Maybe it's more eye contact. Maybe it's more time. Maybe it's sitting in your front, whatever it is, think about how you can increase that. We, we're so grateful for all of you that tune in and are listening and are fighting for unity in your families, your marriage, your community. Please keep it up. Let's, let's create a wave throughout this country of people trying to be better together. We need it. And we're so glad you're a part of it. So if this has been helpful to you, please share it with other people. Um, And uh, if you've got ideas for people for us to interview, shoot them our way. Uh, You can reach Ian at We Are Trellis and Daniel. What's your email again, Daniel? Reach me at Daniel at NarrativeCostaMesa.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 